I called this sermon today, Restoration Hardware. And yes, I was having fun playing with the name of the retail place, but I called it Restoration Hardware because the words hard and wear were active for me when I was working on this sermon. This text, this text is hard for me. In fact, I'm not positive that I have enough faith to preach this text the way I used to. I mean, I, I've crunched through all the exegesis and I'm gonna tell you all about it, but I don't feel about this text, believe about this text, believe about the God represented in this text the way I used to. Let me just tell you a little bit about, about um, the research, the work I've done to the text that, that I found intriguing, exciting, shocking in some ways, but of course it's a story of God's people and afflicted people on their way through the troubles of life, a wandering people wandering through the desert on the way to a promised land or on the way back from exile or on the way back home to their isolated spaces in the time of COVID, a, a timeless, a timeless prayer from a people who suffer. And in this Psalm, the Psalmist um, alerts us right away to uh, evoking God's presence, God's presence in the ark, the ark that had been built with two seraphim, the ark built so people could sense God's presence in the ark as they wandered across the desert. You God who are enthroned in the space we built for you, your invisibleness could be made present to us in this space. To that God, the psalmist is saying, restore us, O God, let your face shine upon us that we may be saved. Restore us, O God, literally cause us to return. Cause us, God, to turn back to you, come back to you, come back to you from the faraway places, come back to you from sin, come back to you from the feeling of lost, God. Restore us, cause us to return. Shine your face upon us because your shining face is a sense of your blessing. That's where the psalmist starts. And then the psalmist kind of tells God about who God is or who God has been. Uh, how long, oh God, will you be angry with us? Literally, how long will your nostrils flare and smoke? You have fed us with the bread of tears. In other words, God, you have caused us to weep. You have caused us to cry, which is to say our suffering is on account of you, God. You have made us, the psalmist says, the laughingstock of the nations. The nations scorn us. They think we've lost our power and our prestige. They make fun of us. They mock us. And once again, the refrain, like a song, like a call and response, restore us, O God. Maybe you'll say that with me at home. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine upon us that we might be saved. Restore us and let us return to you. In this next strophe or part of the prayer, the psalmist reminds God of how God has been present in the past in the form of a parable. The psalmist says, you brought us out of Egypt. This is not a part that Lee read. 
because um, it's not in the lectionary, but it explains the text. You brought us out of Egypt. You made us a vine to be planted in the new soil. You found the right terroir for us. You put us in the shady place. You tilled the soil for us. You gave us shade so we could grow and we did grow. Our roots expanded to the sea and then you built a wall around the vineyard to protect us, God. You did all of that. But now you've broken the walls down. You broke the walls down that were designed to protect us. You broke them down. So now everybody who passes by can ravage us, can pick us apart. The wild boars can have at us. And then the refrain again, this time slightly different. And this is, I find this really interesting. Turn again, O God, you look down from heaven and see the vine you planted. They wanted to burn it down, to cut it down, but if you rebuke them, they will perish. This time the psalmist says, God, you turn back around. Not make us to turn toward you, but you, God, turn your face back to us. The psalmist is asking God to turn around. The psalmist is asking God to repent. The psalmist is asking God to repent. Wow, in this conversation with God, the psalmist has attributed to God all power, all the blessings, the ability to cause the suffering and ease the suffering, the ability to cause the pain and ease the pain, the ability to make the nations scorn the psalmist and the ability to destroy the ones who hurt Israel, all of this power. And the psalmist is saying to the Almighty, perhaps you need to turn back toward us. I think that's, I think that's really wild. <laughs> this kind of sense of the sovereignty of God being the conversation. The psalmist is having a conversation about the sovereignty of God and saying God is capable, able to do more than the psalmist can ask or imagine, to make all the good, to make all the bad, to make the rain, to make the sunshine, all of that attributed to the God who has turned God's back. And the psalmist is almost demanding that God turn back around. Why? Because the psalmist's life depends on it. The, 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 the psalmist knows that he, she needs God's full attention. The inattentive God means suffering and attending God means blessing. If God is the problem, the psalmist is saying, then God is also the solution. God can bring us back from exile. God can bring us back from deadness. God can bring us back from suffering. God can bring us back from crazy election seasons. God can bring us back from COVID-19. God can bring us back and feed us on the bread of life and not on the bread of tears. I'm struggling with that. I think that's a little bit too much for us to protect, to project, to expect from God. I used to think God was causative of all the things, right? The car accident I had where my highway, my car flips around in the highway three times and it finally lands on the tires and I finally walk away. 
Did God cause the car to flip upside down in the highway? Why? To teach me a lesson? To show me that God is God? Did God then cause the car to land on the tires? Really? Or did gravity do both? Did God cause the fire to torch all of my belongings and then cause the insurance company to reimburse me? Did God cause a virus to ravage the globe? Did God cause any of your loved ones to die from the ravaging? I don't think so. I think there's just unleashed junk in the universe, friends. That viruses want to live and they find hosts and they move into the bodies. that sometimes our tires will be flat and our cars will flip over. That something someday is gonna cause each of us to die. It might be a car accident. It might be old age. It might be a virus. But God's not waiting around to punish us, to torture us, to teach us. I think God is awaiting us to discover who God really is, to let go of our projections, our base of brain projections, our understandable human projections that there's a holy other that's big and bad and forceful and amazing that will make it sunshine and make it rain. I think God is awaiting us to discover the holy loving other that is in fact the face that will never leave us, ever leave us. That there's nothing we can do to make God turn God's back on us. We turn away, we walk away, we stand away, we run away. We fall down and we don't feel worthy and we, like the psalmist, create all kinds of theologies to, to make us feel like we, that we are in control of, of the God that we, that we love. We, we can manipulate this God with our goodness and our badness. I'm saying, God is always good. And I'm saying, God is always there. And I'm saying, God is not responsible for the crazy things we put in the world, for the bad politics, for the bad environment. God is not responsible that somebody didn't wash their hands someplace, sometime in the virus spread. That's not God's doing. God's sovereignty is about being present, present in our singing, present in our praying, present in our grieving, present in our joy, present in our laughter, present in our discoveries, present in our wrestling. We can wrestle with God enough to say, hey, where are you? Where are you? And I think God stands in love and says, I'm right here. I am right here awaiting you. 
I don't have faith in the old stuff I would have said about this psalm 10 years ago. It's too small, too cause and effect. And I'm sorry, life is more complicated than that. But you and I, we're in relationship with each other and with God and we can play and we can wrestle and we can what if and we can discover new ways of talking about God, thinking about God, having conversations about God that are grown up conversations about God. So we don't put too much of it on God and take responsibilities also for creating the world we want. That's what gives me hope. Not that if I get on my knees and plead, God's gonna show up. What gives me hope is before I thought about getting on my knees, God was already there, loving me. We begin our Advent journey with this text. We overhear a conversation the psalmist is having with the psalmist God, working it out, figuring it out. Return us to you, O God, is the psalmist's prayer. Let us return to God who never left us, whose face is always shining. We just need to remember. Amen.